Good morning, everybody. Welcome to day 337 of the One Year Bible. Good morning. I'm Brian Godinas. And I'm Jesse. Brian, tell us about yourself. <laughs> well, uh, I have been a longtime attender of Gold Creek. Ever since 2005, when we moved here, I got stationed at the uh, military base up in Everett, and we started attending at that point in time. And it's been here ever since. Okay. Brian, what do you currently do? I am an optometrist. So Brian's going to lend his vision today to the one, see what <laughs> that, I did there. That's cute. <laughs> to the cute. one year Bible. So we don't have a huge section. No, thankfully. But as always, they're interesting. Um, we start off with Daniel chapter. I just closed it and trying to open it. Daniel chapter 11. 11. So we get the end of the book. So I really want to talk about the beginning of the book, but um, we can just kind of go back and talk about some facts. I went kind of went down a rabbit hole a little bit in researching this mm -hmm. because if you're familiar with the book of Daniel, it's okay if you're not, but um, growing up in church, you heard maybe the story of Daniel in the lion's den and Daniel and his friends being thrown into the fiery furnace. These are the stories we're familiar Interpreting with. Interpreting the dreams. Yeah. And then the last few chapters of, it's not a very long book, it's 12 chapters yeah. total then it moves into these prophecies. And so I think it's easy to kind of dismiss the second half of that yeah, it's book. That's exciting to read about maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a little hard to understand. Very. Um, but so we both did a little bit of research. So I found one interesting fact is that Daniel's name means God is my judge. Just a little piece of information there, that's a little a tidbit. Mm -hmm. um, he was deported as a teenager. And so I was thinking about Griffin because I knew we were doing this together. Your son. Right. Just Never thinking deported. about him. No, but... <laughs> thinking about what if him being sent away yeah. and just even there's so much that the Bible doesn't state as far as Daniel had parents, you know, right. and people who loved and cared about him, I'm sure. And so then their son gets sent away and we don't even read about any of that. Mm, we just read point. about, you know, the events that transpired after the fact. Um, but I wanted to just touch on a couple things. So we know this is prophecy that we're reading about. Definitely. We have kind of a summation, king of the north, king of the south, <laughs> and daughter being given in marriage in this passage. Yeah. And so the very end of a little bit of commentary, it says the predictive prophecies, both with local and future applications, indicate the supernatural insights given to Daniel by the Holy Spirit. So there's that. There's that. Um, I had underlined a few a few other things here. Just um, it says the prophetic section of the book acts as a reminder of God's supernatural abilities that he can predict major events hundreds of years in advance. It also serves to assure us that he has all the details of time and space sovereignly and safely in his command. So a couple kind of big picture thoughts mm -hmm. to keep in mind that are interesting. Um, it says one more little piece. I'm not going to go on with this forever. It says the classical view sees the initial fulfillment of Daniel's prophetic sections in past historical events, such as the second century BC invasion of Jerusalem. Um, it says classical interpreters do, however, also see ultimate fulfillment of many of the prophecies at the end of this age. So it's, it says that these are, these prophecies are multi-layer, which helped me a little bit. Um, tell me what you got out of this chapter. It, it was a bit confusing for me. Yeah. Honestly, I went through and found every concordance kind of Bible thing I had. The one minute Bible, there you the go. 30 days to understand the Bible. This one actually is good. It's just really deep. The archaeological study Bible and okay. especially with this part and all the different kings and wars. And it, it was a lot to yeah. take in. So yeah. it was hard. But I do 
appreciate the prophecy part of it and how it can help us to understand events, maybe not now, but in the future, obviously, that's what prophecy is about. Right. Right. That's good. I think you were kind of highlighting the end of this chapter. Do mm -hmm. you want to talk about what you pulled from that? Well, at the very uh, end part where like verse 33, those who are wise will instruct many, though for a time they will fall by the sword or be burned or captured or plundered. So it talks about these different teachers that might come along and, you know, it could be a big name person that might fall away or might be get in trouble somehow. And there's going to be probably a lot of those because in Revelation, a lot of this kind of ties in with that, with mm -hmm with the false prophets that might come. Yep. Um, but then the very end, it says, some of the wise will stumble so they may be refined, purified, and made spotless until the time of the end, for it will still come at the appointed time. So again, that's just all prophetic type of teachings. That's very revelation-y, I think was the word I used. That's good. Mm -hmm. Revelation-y. Yeah. I mm -hmm. like it. Yeah. So there was, since you brought that up, there was one more little section here that I thought I would read. It says, um, in this final section of the book of Daniel, Daniel emerges as a key prophetic book for understanding much of the Bible. Many insights into end time prophecies are dependent upon an understanding of this book. Oh, so no. that was interesting. <laughs> dependent. And it says many of the revelations given to the apostle Paul find harmony and cohesion in Daniel. And then it references <laughs> Romans chapter 11. So there's a lot here. There's a lot. A lot going on. But that was interesting that that last verse that you read about, um, yeah, some of the whys will mm -hmm. fall victim to persecution and um, the appointed time is still to come. Yep. Wait wow. Okay. So there's that. We didn't get Daniel in the lion's den. That might that have been, been easier, so much more fun. But that's okay. Got to look at the book as a whole. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, moving into 1 John 3, 7 to 24, into the New Testament, um, it was funny to me that, well, I guess here we got, yeah, verse chapter seven in Daniel, it was verse two to 35, not the first verse. Can't have the first one. Funny how some of these chunks are broken up. So what did you like about first John three? You said you enjoyed it. I did because this one I can relate to more easily. It talks about loving people and loving each other. Okay. And, um, and one of the little study things that I had looked at, it talked about how the passage is actually broken down into three different sections of love where verses 11 through 15 focus on the love believers should have for one another, whereas 16 mm -hmm. through 18 is loving one another by our actions. And 19 through 24 discuss whether our hearts condemn us or not. And it's just, yeah, very much about love and very That's applicable. Good. That's good. Yeah. Um, I thought as I was reading through this, talking about love, I'm always reminded, I always desire to be used by God and I feel like to do more for God, but we're reminded about love, just like what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It made me think of 1 Corinthians 13, which mm -hmm. tells us you can do all these things, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. Right. And so that passage came to mind when I was reading this. And then I had written um, Hebrews 4, um, 16 as well, when it's talking about um, having confidence and being coming to God confidently. Mm -hmm. And Hebrews 4, 16 says, we can come to God's throne of grace boldly and confidently. Um, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, this is a confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we yeah. know that he hears us, we know that we'll have what we've asked of him. I think Pastor Dan just recently used that passage in a sermon actually. Um, but in verse 23, what it says, this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And so I was telling you that phrase in the name yeah. kind of caught my attention. Um, there's so much said throughout God's word about his name. And so 
just out of curiosity, I'd flip to the back of my Bible in the concordance just to see, okay, is name of the Lord listed and what was I going to find? And so I just kind of quickly, I'll go down these in Exodus 27, it says, you shall not misuse the name. Deuteronomy 28 says the glorious and awesome name. Second Chronicles 714 says, let us, um, it says, if my people who are called by my name in Psalm 34, let us exalt his name. Um, what is his name and the name of his son? That's Proverbs 30. Um, Isaiah 57 says, who lives forever, whose name is holy. Um, in Matthew, in the Lord's prayer, we read, hallowed be your name. Yeah. And so just all these different places. We were talking about some of the worship songs we sing that mention the name. Oh, there's a lot. Um, I had brought up the song, We Praise You. One of my favorite lines is, we sing his name in the dark and it changes everything. I've written that a couple different places throughout my journal, just to stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And what... What came to mind for you? For Well, there's Jesus' name above all names. Yeah. Um, when you were just reading that right now, I just thought of the Casting Crown song. I can't think of the name of it, but it also has that same kind of exactly that same scripture basically built into the song. So okay. we do use that a lot in our, our worship songs. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jesus' name above all names. Is that what you just said? Yeah. That's okay. the one I said. Perfect. <laughs> um, so then we move into Psalm 122. And so this is all about Jerusalem. And Jerusalem. while we both did a little bit of research on it, we didn't really go any <laughs> deeper than praying about the peace of Jerusalem. I do appreciate this is a Psalm of David. So I have made it known that I'm partial to David's Psalms. <laughs> I have issues. Um, and so just, was there any one verse that stood out to he, in this to you? One specifically? No, because in a couple of them, like in the very first one, and I guess, well, I guess I am naming verses. And in verse uh, nine, it talks about the house of the Lord. Yeah. And again, yeah. that throws me back into Pablo singing his yeah, house of the Lord Yeah, Phil Wickham song. song. Yeah. Yep. And I love that song. And okay. yeah, it's it, this is a good one because it's an uplifting, joyful hymn or psalm versus the whiny ones. Yeah. It was written by a pilgrim, in case you didn't know. <laughs> it says, Thanksgiving was a couple weeks a ago. A song but... for pilgrims. So just picture them in their black and white attire. I think it's a different type of pilgrim here. Kidding. Um, <laughs> interesting, though, talking about all about Jerusalem and um, verse 6, pray for peace in Jerusalem. May all who love the city prosper. Oh, Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls. And then the last verse, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. And I was telling you, I've always been taught to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, interesting, when we think about what we're reading in here, especially all the Old Testament um, things about the city of Jerusalem, and then we think about current day, even in what's what's happening, and just, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. And I pay attention when I'm hearing things on the news about even our leaders and what different treaties or covenants that are or are not being ratified or upheld. Um, it's just really interesting. And so, um, yeah, so I believe that we're to keep praying yeah. for the peace of Israel. And politics aside, you could put Snohomish in there instead of Jerusalem or Mill Creek and pay, pray for the peace of your city. Yes, and, you know, it's good. This, we, we need that. Good application. Right? Now, this last little verse that we have in Proverbs, it was Brian's favorite. He told me, he's like, I love this one. Proverbs 29.1 um, kind of gave us a little bit of a chuckle in a kind of weird way. So whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. So it's very extreme. Very extreme. Yes. <laughs> the NLT, do you want to read the NLT? The translation is a little bit different. Mine says a man who remains stiff-necked 
after many rebukes, will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. So there's no coming back. It's done, final. Uh, okay. So the NL the NIV says stiff-necked. The NLT says whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism. So that's a little bit different we talked about um, than somebody who is willing to listen. It, sometimes it can be hard to, it, it's just a little wounding to our pride <laughs> for whatever, because we're human, right. I think. But um, ultimately, I know the Bible talks about the wisdom of having counselors. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a verse somewhere I should have looked it up. It says, let a, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It's oil on my head. So mm, when you know good. that somebody has your best interest at heart, um, it's wisdom to, to listen to what they're saying, mm -hmm. take it into consideration. And if there's truth in there, to apply it sure. to our lives. Absolutely. So, yeah. That's good. Anything further you would like to say? Oh gosh, no. Okay, all <laughs> we're, right. We're doing good. We've got twenty-seven more days left. Twenty-eight yeah. more days. We're almost there. Almost done with the in whole the home year. Stretch. Hang it's in amazing. there. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, everybody, and we hope to see you tomorrow. Thanks. Bye.